Welcome to Impact Sports Behind the Mask. I'm your host, Jason Ruff, alongside my partner, Brian Bobel. And guess what? It's Michigan Week! Yes, it's that time of year again where I refer to the Michigan Wolverines as the hockey team from Ann Arbor. I don't know, Brian, you got any, you got any weird uh, traditions for Michigan Week? Um, no, just, just uh, get more amped up the closer we get to Saturday. And I don't even give them that much credit and say the team from Ann Arbor. I just say them. <laughs> well, you're a senior. This is your last Michigan this week, This is my it? last hoorah for a Michigan game. Watch out, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to be going hard. <laughs> All right, well, Michigan State Hockey started their season last weekend against the University of Massachusetts Minutemen. They split the series with the Minutemen. Well, let's break it down. Last Friday, the Spartans began their season at home for the first time under head coach Tom Anastas. This is, of course, Coach Anastas' fourth year at the helm. The Spartans got off to a quick start on Friday in the first period. Matt Berry opened up the season with a score less than five minutes into the game. J.T. Stengelein would also notch a goal later in the period for a 2-0 MSU lead after the first intermission. UMass, however, in the second period would score a pair of goals, including a shorthanded one to tie things up. But Mackenzie McKechnie responded late in the period with a power play goal to give MSU the 3-2 lead after two. In the third period, Matt DeBlau would end his nearly two-year scoreless drought with a very nice goal, and Matt Berry would find the net again later in the period for his second of the night. And while UMass had a late push, which included an additional goal, it was not enough, and Michigan State won the game 5-3. to three. Brian, what were your thoughts on that Friday game? Because it was a pretty darn good one. Well, they did exactly what we said the keys of the game were. <laughs> they came out, they were, they were flying when they came out start the gate and you love to see that and got on the board pretty early too and and what they we scored, saw yep yeah they scored within the first five mm-hmm. minutes just like you and exactly. I exactly and while their special teams weren't stellar I mean they got a power play goal but Tom Anastas said pretty much got washed up with the uh, with the shorthanded goal there but I thought it was a perfect opening game sure they wouldn't they didn't like giving up a two goal lead nobody does but it's gonna happen Right, and I think what's equally important, that was a good publicity game for Michigan State because not only did the A-team show up, but also members of the Izone because the game was going concurrent with the Izone camp out. A lot of a lot of Michigan State students who maybe haven't heard as much about the hockey team getting to see Michigan State hockey and to see the Spartans get such a good quality win, score five goals, that was a big publicity boost for the Michigan State Hockey Club. And, of course, the top line, getting things done, We'll talk about those guys a little bit later. However, on Saturday, Michigan State started slow and UMass took an early lead. But when you need a goal, who are you going to call? Matt Barry. Ghostbusters reference there. The senior is still hot and he tied the games up, game up for MSU. But 57 seconds later, UMass responded with another goal to take a 2-1 lead after the first period. Second period, Matt Barry scored from the neutral zone. He scored from the middle of the zone. He hadn't scored from the neutral zone. Spartans and UMass tied 2-2 two to two after the second period. That was a crazy goal that Matt Perry scored. He went in, just basically just went in for a cross-corner dump. Puck took a funny bounce and wound up going to the back of the net. Yeah, thanks to some uh, some ice problems they had on Saturday night. Uh, Tom and Nash just wouldn't say exactly what went wrong. Maybe he didn't even know exactly what went wrong. But between periods... There was no flooding of the ice. All they did was a dry scrape. So uh, NASA said after the game and said in the press conference on Tuesday that the longer the game went, the ice got wetter. They got, the ice got more wet, which is odd because 
it's water anyway. But well, it's melting. Yeah, it, it's melting. You know, the building was hot because there were people in there and the players playing on top of it. But he said it was really interesting to say that the ice surface towards the end of that game on Saturday resembled something like that of an outdoor game. Right, and you can definitely note. You could have definitely noticed when Michigan State was playing their defense did not look as dynamic as they did on Saturday than they did on Friday. They didn't want to rush the puck up. They didn't take too many chances. They were very conservative playing. And it, and while, of course, Tom Anastas is gonna, isn't going to use that as an, as an excuse because UMass had to deal with the same thing, I think it definitely hampered the Spartans' play in that game. It did, and Anastas said it perfectly in the pre, in, on Tuesday. He said it's different for forwards in a situation like that because when the when the puck is unpredictable and can bounce on on a second bounce right over your stick at least you have the defense behind you and then the goalie so you you have another line of defense before they get to your goalie now if you're on defense and you're passing D to D on the blue line there's no there's no assurance behind you it's just if there's a fluky bounce over your stick well then there they go and all they all they have left is your goalie and the Barry goal was an example of just how unpredictable the puck could be. Exactly. The best thing about that that goal was, and he said it himself, he said, well, I did. I skated up to center ice, just you know, tried to do a cross dump, and as I'm going to change, I hear the goal horn going off. <laughs> I asked him about that goal later after the press conference, and I actually asked him, so you scored a goal from the, the offensive zone, you scored a goal from the neutral zone, are we going to see a goal from behind the goal line? He had a... He said he didn't know when that was going to happen, although I have a feeling it might. However, in the third period last Saturday, Mike Ferentino put the team on his back, and this goal was just too beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. Came up, busting on the far left side, took the shot, crossbar, left or right post, and in. It was it was just too pretty, and Michigan State took a 3-2 lead, and for the, the slightest of moments, a, sl- a sweep of the UMass Minutemen seemed like a reality. However... UMass did get some momentum. They got the tying goal, and they got a five-minute major penalty or power play, I should say, on Justin Humayan. They scored the UMass scored the game winner on the power play with 9.9 seconds left in regulation. It was a tough loss for Michigan State. They start the season one and one. UMass improves to one and two on the season. Brian, what are some of the takeaways we can take away from last weekend? Well, you look at everything that went right for them uh, Friday night. And a lot went right. I think the, the only thing that didn't go right was a shorthanded goal and a blown lead. But they, they were able to overcome that, and they were able to get the W, which is the most important thing. And you look at Saturday, it wasn't the best start for them. And Tom Anassa said it himself. He wasn't thrilled with their start, although he did kind of retrace his steps on what he said after the game Saturday night with what he said on Tuesday. But it wasn't, it wasn't a secret that they did not come out with as much uh, oomph and and you know flair and, and energy as they did Friday night, and it kind of showed. It was really interesting though. With the first maybe eleven, twelve, thirteen minutes of that game on Saturday, it, it had the feeling of a goaltending duel was about to happen. Right. You know, and and UMass they decided to bench their uh, senior goalie Steve Mastellers, who played in the first game, and decided to start. Freshman Henry Dill. Very, very, very interesting move there, especially when Masslers was your starting goaltender all throughout last year. And and he made some pretty good saves early on. And with the freshman, if you can rock him early, which is what the Spartans were very close to doing, even though they came out a little mm-hmm. slow, 
if they were able to get one, maybe two in the net, this game would have been, it could have been a, it could have gone south pretty quickly for the Minutemen. But Dill kept, kept them in the game early. And then out of nowhere, you get three goals in a span of two minutes and 17 seconds. And you're thinking, well, we just went from a, a goaltending duel to a potential shootout here. But, you know, for the Minutemen, you got to give full credit for how they played in that Saturday game. Steven Icabellis had four points on the day, two goals and two assists, including that second goal that he scored. It was, I think it was yeah, 57 seconds after Michigan State tied the game. That pass where he just did a spinorama around the left faceoff circle, threw one in front, and it was deflected. That was a heck of a play. Nothing, oh, yeah. nothing oh, yeah. Jake Hildebrand could do on the first two goals as they were just thrown to the front and deflected behind him. That's where you might need to see the defense improve a little bit. Right, right. On, in that standpoint. But give the Spartans full credit. They tied the game in one of the most unorthodox ways you could tie a game <laughs> with a nice 87-footer from the red line. Um, and then Ferentino's shot. That was a beauty. <sighs> nothing nothing like ringing some iron before having the goal horn ringing go off. two irons. That was just that a was, nice loud nice ping. Goal. And that, was, that looked like it was a feel-good goal for him. And oh, yeah. it got the team going. And then, unfortunately, that that penalty uh, really you took know, the that, wind out it, of their it, it did. But but how good did they look in the first three minutes of that penalty kill? I, I rightfully good. thought that with the way they looked, I was thinking it wouldn't be out of the question to see this go to overtime. And if Michigan State can kill that off in overtime, advantage They got them. it. They've got it. Right, right. Speaking what uh, you were saying about Dill being a new goaltender, I can't speak highly enough of how Michigan State started on Friday night. They looked so good. I mean, they looked like an NCAA tournament team. And if they could have had that start on Saturday, you're like you said, Dill probably would have given up one or two goals, and it's a completely different game. And speaking on Perry's goal, it actually reminded me a lot when I back in my playing days when I played in youth hockey. I actually had a friend who scored a goal like that. The guy was named uh, Nick Ponce de Leon, and he shot. It was basically a dump. It was from right from the red line. He dumped it, and it went so high, it went over the goalie's shoulder into the back of net, and none of us could believe it went in. I was actually on the ice for it. I was like, holy cow, he scored. But anyway, I digress. Let's go back to our Keys Revisited from last weekend. Keys, uh, score in the first five minutes, check. They did that on Friday. They didn't do that on Saturday, so we'll give that a yep, check. They got the crowd in it early, and that combined crowd, that combined Izzo and A-team crowd, they, you know, the Izzo started off a little quiet, but as the game went on, it was an exciting game. If they were going to pick a game to do the Izzo camp out, that was the game to do it. Well, they didn't know the uh, the chance, you know. Da, 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 yeah, they, da, they started to learn, uh, much like the freshmen. The freshmen are still are still pretty oh, yeah. into the chance. Yep, so, yep, I, yep, uh, yep. so that was great to see on that standpoint. Get a lot of off. Second point: get a lot of offense from the first line. Check that mon- the money line man totaled for fourteen points on the weekend. I wouldn't One give that line. a check. I would, I, would? I'd give that a check plus and a half oh, with okay. how that top All line right. performed. Right. They. they Performed far beyond what I expected them to do. I, I going in, I, I was thinking, you know, you know, brand new line. The first time these three are all playing together as a line, figured maybe they could get, you know, maybe four goals out of the weekend, and and that would be a, a great start for them. But to to get what they got from six goals and eight assists between those three, that's you couldn't have asked for a better start for your top line. Four of those goals coming from Matt Barry. I I I. He should have had a hat trick. 
well, maybe even two last weekend. He if, was, if Michigan he was State had, uh, if Michigan State would have held that lead, that three-two lead in the third period, wouldn't have been surprised to see Matt Berry out there with the empty netter trying to get that. Yeah, yeah. And finally, efficient on special teams. I'm going to give this one a big X. Yes, MSU scored on the power play last Friday, but they gave up a shorthanded goal, which kind of washed the special teams. And of course, on Saturday night, a late UMass power play goal was the difference. I'll split this one in half. I'll I'll give each each team a grade. I'll give the power play a fail. I'll, I mean, but it's to be expected. It's your first weekend of the season. They haven't been able to work on this that much in practice. So you kind of get a, a pass for that just for this weekend. They they did have one power play goal, and that was Mackenzie McEachern's goal. And it was a good power play goal, too. And the power play, I think, is looking a lot better this year than it was last year. Last year, you had a lot of working the puck down low. Not a lot of shots. You were lucky to get one, two, maybe three at best shots on a power play. Now Spartans have done something a bit different. They're working the power play up on the point. They're working the Walsh-Jacobs combination, and they're just get, keep getting shots. You you have players who want the puck on their stick. You have players who want to take the shots, and you have buys in front of the net. And you have a lot of opportunities, and that's half the battle for Michigan State on the power play. I think their special teams, with time and with practice, and maybe even with a little bit of luck, it's 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 going to turn around for them. It will. They had they had good looks. They had plenty of good looks in both games. It's disappointing for them that they were only one for nine on the weekend with a shorthanded goal against. But on the contrary, this penalty kill, even though they gave up that goal with nine seconds to go, I got to give them an A. I got to give them a big pass on on the weekend because you kill off that five minute major Friday night at a really crucial time too, it being the first period. They give up a couple goals there. That night just goes, you know, goes down. Bottom up. Bottom up, exactly. So I, I give full props to them for dealing with the situations the way they did. They were nine seconds away from extending their perfect streak of not giving up a power play goal. So that's, I'm not going to fault them for giving up. That was, let's see, they had about, I think it was around nine, it was about eight and a half minutes of a five-on-four with two five-minute majors, and they finally cracked. I'll right. take that any day of the week. All right. Now let's move on to our next segment here. We're going to talk about, guess guess who? Who are you going to call when you need a goal? Matt Barry. We're going to talk about Matt Barry here for a little bit. He now leads the Big Ten in goals and was the Big Ten first star of the week this week. It's the second time in his career that he has earned that honor. Barry, of course, has four goals, two assists in only two games. That's outstanding. Brian, I think we all had the feeling Barry was going to be good this year, but I don't think anyone saw this coming from the senior. I don't think they saw an uh, an offensive explosion coming in the first two games, but if you look back in his last eight games, or six games, rather, dating back to last season, six games, Barry has eight goals in the last six games. Now, of uh, of those games he played, in his last five games, he's had three multi-goal games. So this is exactly what the Spartans were hoping to get out of him. Now, granted, you're not going to score 87-footers night in and night out. So that, of course that, not, unfortunately. Unless, unless, you know, they decide to have some ice difficulties like they did Saturday. <laughs> but they have, they're doing exactly what they need to do to get him the puck in the right spots. Now, he's not being all Steven Stamkos and Alex Ovechkin scoring from the outside. You look at their goals, the exception of his goal from center ice. All, the, all Michigan State's goals were around the face-off dots down to the goal line. 
nothing from the out the perimeter. And if they can keep doing that, if they can keep working that grinding side, I love their their board play. Oh yeah, their it's, cycle. It's, it's improved so much. It's it looks really good this Between year. Between the three of them, they don't look like a, uh, a trio who was just thrown together at the start of the season. They looked like they've been at this for a long time, and that was part of their the reason why they were so good was their play below the hash marks and their speed through the neutral zone. My goodness, Mackenzie McEachern and Ferentino, even when killing penalties, they were flying out there. I think they were the best shorthanded pairing in uh, on both teams, even though. Minutemen scored a shorthanded goal. I think McEachern and Farentino were the best shorthanded pair on the ice. Yep, they're looking really good. And going a bit back to Barry, it's really good that he's having this season. I mean, you look at last year, Barry fought through an injury to get back into the lineup. He didn't play until December. And even then, when he was playing, you could tell he wasn't 100%. Mm-hmm. But this year, he's had more time to train. He's had more time to get his head in the right place. And it's definitely paying off. I mean, I talked with Mike Ferentino, the captain, and he had mainly this to say about Barry. When he's hot, he's hot. He's one of those guys where he'll score. He'll score goals if he's hot. You get to him, he'll score. So Ferentino definitely thinks a lot about Barry, and Ferentino had some time to play with Barry a bit last season, and that line was looking very good towards the end of the season, the Haig, Barry, and Ferentino line. They were, and it's important to to make sure Barry stays on this hot streak. You're not going to get two goals a game from him. Everybody knows that. That would be ridiculous to think that you can go through a 30 30 plus game schedule and get two goals every night. That would be awesome. That would uh, Michigan State would would love that. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. But let's be realistic here. It, he's not going to score two goals every night. But it's important to not when he doesn't score, it's important to keep that from becoming a big drought because if he goes on a big drought this team is in trouble. Right, considering how the Michigan State Spartans really have to start getting points and goals from their other lines. They did it a little bit on Friday, but I'd really like to see that second line really start to really start to produce because they're they were the only line through the weekend that didn't produce. In both games, yeah. In both in both games. Mm-hmm. So switching over to field hockey, Brian, your expertise here. Number nineteen Michigan State had an interesting last weekend here at home in East Lansing. Sierra Patton recorded her first career shutout after defeating number 12 Iowa 2 to nothing, or then number 12, I should say. However, when it came down to it, Northwestern came to town. The Spartans lost by a score of 5-3. to three. Brian, can you take us a little bit through that? Well, I'll tell you what they did on Friday. That was super important for this team. They got the first goal, which was something that hadn't happened the previous 10 games. They went 10 straight games without scoring the first goal. And finally, they were able to get on the board first, and that was key for them. And they had a, they had a defensive defensive explosion, if you would. They, they played phenomenally defensively, and Sierra Patton, the, when she was tested, she was barely tested in the first half of the game on Friday, which is really weird. She, didn't even, she either had to make, make one save or nothing. That was how good... Michigan State's defense was against two pretty good scorers on the Iowa team. They held both of them in check, and they were able to carry the lead into the half. You know, then they get that second goal on a, on a penalty stroke, which pretty much put the game away for them. And that was a big, very big win for them, especially because the weekend before they got swept out of Indiana, they weren't happy with with their loss to Ball State um, the weekend prior. And so they they really went all in on this game, and 
they got the the outcome they were looking for. Now, Sunday, Sunday's game was a different story. They were riding high. They were on cloud nine after beating, after upsetting, for the most part, upsetting Iowa, and they got brought down to earth pretty quick by Northwestern. And the kitty cats come to town. <laughs> yeah. Northwestern got them down early. They got them down pretty good, 3 nothing before the game was even, I think it was before it was even 17 minutes in. Um, Michigan State's already looking at a 3 nothing hole. Now they battled back. The first half was all Northwestern. It was no question. It was all Northwestern. I think Michigan State only had one shot, and that was and and you know in field hockey they count shots directed towards the goal. Unlike hockey, where they only count when it's blocked by the goalie. Michigan State uh, they they came out flat on Sunday, kind of kind of like how the hockey team came out on Saturday. Although the hockey team on Saturday didn't necessarily come out super flat, they didn't come out as good as they did the game before, and that's the point. Right. The uh, field hockey team did not come out as well as they did on Friday, and it showed. Right. Although the field hockey team did battle back, they got they got two really quick goals and pulled within one. And for a little while, it looked like Northwestern was reeling, and the Spartans were able were going to be able to tie this game. But then Northwestern takes a timeout, and then it's all Wildcats after that. That timeout settled them down so much. They and. and Unfortunately for Michigan State, their head coach was not at the game on Sunday due to family reasons. So they had the assistant coach take over. And what she said after the game was once Northwestern called the timeout, I think it was two goals in a span of of at most two minutes for Michigan State. It sound, that sounds right. Yeah. So when they were in that timeout, the assistant coach was telling the girl, and she was like, look, they're not going to just walk out of here. They want this win, so you have to be ready for what's going to happen after this timeout. And true to her word, Northwestern looked like a completely different team after that timeout. And that's what good coaching is going and good coaching and a properly called timeout is going to do for you. Michigan State could not muster up much after the Northwestern coach called that timeout. Right, so and of course Northwestern would go on to win that game five to three. Michigan State now Goes to number 19 in the nation. This weekend, the Spartans will hit the road to battle the number 7-ranked field hockey team from Ann Arbor in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And then on Sunday, they return home to good old East Lansing for a bout with the Chippewas of Central Michigan. <clears throat> they got to play with the chip on their shoulder in that game. Not the Chippewas game, but the, the game against them over there from Ann Arbor. Because this is they're starting to get to the end of their Big Ten season. This is where this team needs to make a push. They have to get on the board first. They're three and zero when they when they score first. Only three games they've scored the first goal. So this team is very accustomed. They're they're used to playing from behind, but you can't do that, especially against the, the top notch opponents like the Northwesterns, like the Michigans. You can't trail. You can't be down in the first half against teams like that because they'll they'll get you every time. I mean, it's rivalry. It's it's Michigan week. Why wouldn't you have a chip on your shoulder? Might as well have all the teams play Michigan during this week. <laughs> I think that's what rightfully what they should do. Start off, uh, start off the weekend with the series with the hockey series against Michigan, then go with a couple basketball games during the week against Michigan, oh, and then man. end it with the football game on Saturday against Michigan, and then sprinkle in the field hockey around there and all the other things. Oh man, can you imagine the buzz on campus if they did that? 
That would be unbelievable. I mean, everybody's this pumped up for just the football game. You toss in two basketball games, two hockey games in that in that time, and all the other sports that are going on. Well, if you remember last year, uh, Michigan State and Michigan played each other on the same weekend in both hockey and in basketball. Mm-hmm. The Joe Lewis game on Thursday, the Michigan State-Michigan game here at Munn on Friday, and then the basketball game on Saturday. Unfortunately, Michigan State was completely swept in all three of those events, so it kind of put a damper on mm. the mood. But it was a it was a pretty hyped up week that that week. Of course, going back to topic here, Michigan State field hockey is ranked number nineteen in the nation and is eight seven and zero overall, three four and zero in conference. Switching over to women's hockey now, the D one the Michigan State D one women's club team they're chugging on like a juggernaut. They're riding a three game winning streak with recent wins over Buffalo. Last weekend, the Spartans won by scores of 11-2 and 6-3. Michigan State women's icers are undefeated with a 4-0-1 record. Sounds like they're doing a one heck of a job over there. Well, they're they're out of the gate pretty quick, this team, <laughs> by the looks of it. Now, you, you look at who they have played, and it's not they haven't played any superior, you know, top dog opponents yet. But give them credit. They've done what they needed to do so far. When you play against some of those, uh, you know, those, those, I don't want to say weaker teams, but mid level I mean, teams. Mid level, yeah, mid level teams. You got to beat them. And I'd, I'd say 11 to 2 is pretty convincing for me. I just, I, it's too early to judge them until they play that quality opponent. <clears throat> and then we'll see where, the, where this girl's team is. But great start for them. Absolutely phenomenal start for them. Yeah, women's team has a bye this week but will face Grand Valley State and Adrian College on the road on November 1st and November 2nd, respectively. Now let's go to our switching back to men's hockey. Let's go around the boards to check out all the other teams in the Big Ten. It was a rough weekend last weekend for the Big Ten, wasn't it? it <laughs> that's putting it nicely, Jason. That's putting it nicely. It was subpar. Subpar. And we're not playing golf. Subpar is not good. Oh, jeez. Well, Minnesota, they were off last weekend, so they still hold on to their number one seeding in the nation. Minnesota holds a 2-0-0 record so far after two weeks of the season. The hockey team from Ann Arbor, what has happened to them? Split New Hampshire at home, lost New Hampshire on Friday night 5-1, to and then finally beat them 2-1 to on Saturday. The hockey team from Ann Arbor is off to a 1-2-0 and start. They've fallen from number 8 in the preseason polls all the way down to number 17, and if they have another weekend next weekend like they did last weekend, they can kiss that ranking goodbye. Yeah, and this is exactly what I thought would happen to this team. When I saw that they were, you said 8th, right? You said they were ranked number 8th around there. It's exactly what I thought would happen to this team. Sure enough, I turned out to be right. Doesn't have happens happens more often than I give myself credit to. But well, you're a senior, that's why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Attention, everyone. Let's just listen to Brian Bobel. <laughs> exactly. But New Hampshire is is a decent team. And they're a decent team, but they were unranked. Yeah, they're un- unranked, but doesn't mean that they doesn't mean that they uh, are that bad. Michigan State will play New Hampshire coming up uh, in the next couple weeks here. But I mean, at least they salvaged that weekend by getting a win. I mean, you have to. to. You have to. You, I mean, like you said, the, the hockey team from Ann Arbor was completely overranked, I think. I think a number eight ranking, I agree with you, was a bit too high at the start of the season. I think a lot of that was because 
They have the Detroit Red Wings' number one draft pick, and of course that's going to get a lot of press, a lot of publicity here in Michigan. But apparently something's happened. They haven't gotten the start they wanted, and it's really showing. They they fell from number eight to number ten when they lost to Ferris State, and then now they've dropped all the way down to number seventeen. Even more disappointing is the Wisconsin Badgers, man. Oof. They were swept at home last weekend by Northern Michigan. They are off to an 0-4-0 start. It seems like that turnover is really coming back to haunt Mike Eves, Wisconsin head coach. It really is, and and they got to get that ship turned around really quickly. You don't. I mean, we already we spoke last week about their their road woes. And they've they've had they've had their their troubles on the road, but you can't get swept at home. You can't. You you just cannot do it. And expect to maintain a higher, like a high ranking in college hockey. You have to, at worst, get a split. And to get swept by a Northern Michigan team, an un, an, again, another, another unranked. unranked. Uh huh. Another unranked. So you're looking right now. The Big Ten is three and three so far against unranked teams last weekend. And actually, it, make it four and four with Michigan State going one and one against an unranked UMass team. And and it's crazy. I mean, you have the hockey team from Ann Arbor and you have Wisconsin. They're both ranked teams, and these unranked teams are coming in, and they're taking it to them. It's, it, it boggles the mind. It's not like they're losing to top ten opponents here. They're losing to unranked teams that, for the most part, no one – they're not on anyone's radar. It's crazy. Going – continuing on, Ohio State was swept by number 11 Miami of Ohio during a – a home and home series. Ohio State starts the season so far at one three and zero, and then Penn State tied Alaska Anchorage and then lost to Alaska. Both teams now currently in the bottom half in the bottom half of the top twenty poll this weekend. Penn State's off to a one one and two start, so semi respectable. But if you look at all the overall standings in the Big Ten and you line them all up, it goes in this order: Minnesota, Michigan State. Or I'm sorry, Minnesota, Penn State. Michigan State, Michigan, I said it, but okay, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Wisconsin. It's 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 almost a complete 180 from the preseason polls that were put out. The only way you could have predicted something like that is if you're using a dartboard. You you can't. You, I nobody could have guessed that Wisconsin would start off 0 and 4. Penn State, I mean, you that. One, one, and two. That, that's, that's kind respectable. of yeah, that's, that's respectable. Very, absolutely respectable for for Penn State, but for a program as as as, as esteemed and as high up as Wisconsin's is, own four is unacceptable. Think about what their thought process is going on in Ann Arbor. I mean, they're already coming off last year. The hockey team from Ann Arbor was so up and down, up and down, up and down. Now you have so much media coverage. You have the number one draft pick for the Detroit Red Wings, your quote-unquote hometown team coming in, and he's playing for your team. You expect big things this year, and all of a sudden, they've just fall. They've sunk like a stone in a pond. Well, they're they're lucky that every hockey season you have to go through some times of oh, of course, of course. yeah, you, you have those times of, of trouble, and and this is it, it's not time to worry yet. You, uh, New Hampshire, if you're in Ann Arbor, <laughs> New, New Hampshire is in that that New England area. None of those teams are pushovers by any means. Oh, they're they're not. all they're all very solid hockey teams, and maybe not 
maybe not all of them are national contenders, but they they will pester you and they they will not mail it in at all. It's not right. in their nature up in New England to do that. So, oh, they like their hockey up. There. I I think it's not quite time if if you are them that team from Ann Arbor. It's not time to. You know, get worried yet. There's still a long ways to go in this in this season for them. But regardless, definitely not the start you no. want. Mm-mm. Going up to our last segment of the night, know thy enemy and know thyself. In a thousand battles, you will never lose. Michigan State heads on the road to take on number 12, Boston University, and number 7, UMass Lowell. Both those teams are undefeated so far this season. BU is 1-0-0. Their one win coming against... University, the University of Massachusetts, Boston won that game eight to one, and UMass Lowell is two zero and one. Michigan State, of course, one and one on the season so far. Brian, when you look at this series on paper, what are your initial thoughts? Well, the Boston University is going to be hungry because MS. Don't forget, at last uh, last season, MSU beat them here at Munn three to one, back on October twenty sixth. A very close game. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was a very good hockey game. So they're going to be hungry for a little bit of revenge in their barn this time. And they're off, like you said, they're off to a good start so far. Pretty convincing. Uh, it's a little bit early to tell. I mean, yeah. it's only one pretty, game. Pretty convincing. You... It was a pretty convincing game that, that they won there. And UMass Lowell is always there. The uh, last time they came to town here, the game, uh, it was the game before Boston, uh, yes, Boston it was. University. Yes, it was. And that was uh it was a tough game for Michigan State on that night at Munn. It was a four to one final. Yep. Not much went right for them, but gives the Spartans a chip on their shoulder. They're going into hostile environments. These are two hostile environments. I think this is the first time that Michigan State is ever playing at, at UMass's arena. Tenth time these teams have met, and it's the first time Michigan State is playing at the Sangus Center. So Look forward to that, you know, and and gives uh, it gives these guys another learning experience. It's good to get onto the road again, some more team chemistry building things that'll really help this team down the road. So looking at this, these are two tough, very tough games for them. Right, Tom and Ass is definitely not getting a or scheduling, I should say, an easy schedule. Also, a lot of eyes are on Michigan State this year because you remember how bad the Spartans were on the road last year. I think it was one ten and. It was just Four. not good. It wasn't good. Let's just go with that. I think I think they had good. one win. They that had one road it. win. I think that and was, it was against it. And that was Penn, Penn State. State, and all the rest were either losses or overtime or shootout wins, mm-hmm. and it, it was not good. And that's something they have to show shore up. So a lot of eyes going to be on the Spartans this weekend, and all oh, the weekends to go on the road, man. You're talking about taking on the number twelve and the number seven teams in the land on the road. It's your first road trip of the season. You talk about a tall order. That's almost as tall as it gets. It's kind of it's kind of like that that the phrase "baptism through fire." There, there. I love that Tom Anastas arranged a schedule like this because it gets the team to learn what it takes to be the top dogs, what it takes to be in the top fifteen in the country. In this case, Boston University, number twelve. And I, I think it'll only benefit them, even if they don't come out with two wins. And if they come out with two wins... If they come out with two wins, they're ranked, they, hands down. 
I would say there's a good chance that they are ranked. No, yes. if, if they if they if they beat in regulation, if they beat Boston University, who's number twelve, and UMass Lowell, who's number seven, they are ranked. And if not, if not, I they are I'm just barely go. missing out on that. If they're top not list. ranked, I'm going to be extremely mad if they come out with a sweep and are not ranked. But I mean, Brian, honestly, what are your logical expectations for this weekend? A split. Split. A split. Uh, a split. Or I would say at least come back with a couple points. At least come back with a couple points. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would say I agree. Split. Best case scenario, I would say win against Boston University, a close win, maybe a one goal win, and then tie UMass Lowell at best right now. Of course, I may be very happily surprised. The Spartans are wearing their script jerseys against UMass Lowell, as Tom and Astis told us. So maybe that'll bring them a little bit of luck. But. We will certainly wait and find and out. That, and that would be a successful weekend. That, that would, would absolutely that would. that would absolutely be a successful weekend for Tom and Assis and the Spartans if they could come back with a win and even a shootout or overtime loss to go with that. Completely, completely. Coming in two weeks into the se- season already, coming in 2-1-1 one, and one, or even 2-2 two and two, I think would be a success. When, when you consider last year, after two weeks, this team was – one three and oh, I want to say mm-hmm. that that sounds about right. That yeah. was it was not it was uh, it was an uh, inauspicious start. It was not a good one. Not a good one. Not a good one. So definitely a lot to improve on. The opportunity is there. So let's go on, Brian. I'm going to start with you. What are our keys to a Spartan victory this weekend? I've got a few of them here. Let's hear them. I've got I've got a couple. Uh, well, a little more than a couple. Okay. Here's my first one. They have to stay disciplined. As good as their penalty kill was this week or this previous weekend, you can't expect them to be that way night in and night out. It would be nice if if you could rely on them, but they're not at the point where it's oh, don't worry, it's just another five minute major, you know. But I liked what Tom Anassis said to us on Tuesday about his penalty kill and that he's looking to have six or seven. He's looking to have seven forwards that are capable of killing penalties. And already in this young season, we're two games and an exhibition game down, and he feels like he has six. He feels like he has six players that's forwards, not 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 defensemen. Feels like he has six forwards who are capable of playing behind a man down. And that is that's awesome to have that kind of confidence. And I think over the course of the season you'll be able to get that seventh guy that he's looking for. Having said that if they are the, if they are as undisciplined for the most part this weekend, they, they, it was an undisciplined weekend for Michigan State. Last weekend, you mean? Yeah, this this last weekend, it was an undisciplined weekend for them. So, I don't think they'll be able to escape with only giving up one power play goal if they do this themselves this weekend, this coming weekend in New England. It's just not going to happen. Okay, all right. My second point is sticking with the special teams. Wake up the power play. And by wake up, start to get goals in the net. This will this will be another week where they have to work on that. I'm not expecting them to go 90 percent on the power play, 50 percent even. But that'd be nice. It would, yeah, yeah. It would, I'd love to see them do that on the power play. But they need to feel they need to get that uh, some confidence. I feel like towards the end of their game on Saturday, I felt like they were becoming a little discouraged that they were having this power play time and not being able to put the puck in the net. Now, 
if they're able to wake the power play up, they need to get, and I'll get into this in one of my later points here, they are able, if they're able to get a couple power play goals on Friday night against Boston University, I think they could win that game. If they can get one or two max power play goals, I could see Michigan State winning this game. I agree. So, I agree. Special kinda, teams is, is yeah. really, really going to be key. And if you look at the stats for... I don't want to look at the stats for Boston University because they've only played one game mm-hmm. and that was a very dominant game. But looking mm-hmm. at UMass Lowell because they've played three games and it's a bit more of a mm-hmm. of a of a show or tell, I guess show and tell. Mm-hmm. Um, UMass Lowell is seventy percent on the penalty kill, so there is an opportunity here. Seventy percent is okay, but it's not good. Yeah, there is definitely a chance here for Michigan State to get a couple of power play goals mm-hmm. against UMass Lowell, and if they do that, they'll be in good position. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's when you got to capitalize on a team. If if they're going at 70% through three games, they might not have that kind of confidence that I think the Michigan State penalty kill has right now. So if you can capitalize and get on them early, anytime they take a penalty, that's just going to be lodged in the back of their heads thinking, we really haven't had any, much success with this so far. So you know, it might be a case of, you know, deja vu, here we go again. But my third point, my third key for the Spartans this weekend, they have to be ready to go from the start of the game, from that drop of the puck. They can't they can't have a slow start like they did on Saturday because they don't have the luxury of being at home and having that crowd behind you. They have to be ready. They have to be focused and ready to go because these two teams can jump on you quick. If you're not ready, if you're not ready to play a full 60 minutes, they will hurt you. Not physically, <laughs> maybe maybe physically, but on the scoreboard where it hurts the most is where they will get you. That's actually a very good point, Brian. And like you said, with these higher-ranked teams, they don't give you the luxury to have a slow start and then build your way up. They're going to be fired up. They're in their barn. They're a top-ranked team, and they know it. They're going to be fired up to beat you all the way back to Michigan. Mm-hmm. So and My last point here. Oh, I'm sorry. One Go more. ahead. One more. This is the last one. Kind of ties in a couple other things here. For the Michigan State forwards and that top line, they need to keep grinding in the dirty areas. Work hard in those battle areas. If they can win puck battles, you know what this team can do from the hash marks down. That's where most of their goals has come. Most of their goals have come so far is below the hash marks. So that's an area the Spartans need to continue to work well in. And you're going to rely on the top line to get you some offense. But this is the weekend where Michigan State desperately needs that second line of of Hag. Ebbing and Cox to contribute. They really do. Right, especially and, when you think that Haig and Cox had 10 points plus last season. Mm-hmm, exactly. So they, they need to get themselves going just for the sake of getting them going. I mean, they need if, if they don't get any production out of this line for this weekend, you might have, Tom Anassis might have to look at splitting them up. If something might not be working with them, maybe the chemistry just isn't quite there yet, but that's where they need to get some of that extra stuff from. On the back end, they need to get shots to the net. I think the defensemen did a pretty good job of that last week. They had, they did all right for, their, for it being their first week. So from the back end, the blue line needs to get some more offense, I think. We need to see if they can score some goals from the outside. And that's not just, just saying let's camp out and fire away. It's see if we can get screens. So it would be their mentality. Let's see if we can go out there. Let's get some screens. Let's make sure the goalie can't see. And then let's see if we could throw, you know, 
get some pucks through, you know, dodging through traffic, some seeing eye pucks that go in. Because they need to get start getting some confidence from that back end offensively, I think. So those these there are my keys right there. Stay disciplined. Power play has to wake up. Be ready to go and silence the crowd early. And keep grinding. Keep work keep playing well along the boards. That's where this team is starting to become a it's starting to become a little bit of an identity for them. Speed through the neutral zone and also outworking them along the boards. Those are some very, very good points, Brian, and I'm going to echo a couple of those when I give my three keys to the game. First point, like kind of like you said, stay out of the box. I mean, two five-minute major power plays in a weekend, that's unacceptable. You are, you are not going to win games if you take two five-minute major penalties in a weekend. You're just mm-hmm. not. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost a mathematical impossibility. And I'm not a math major, no, so you, I won't go should, into the you specific, take your, specifics you should, of that. You should take your penalty kill out to dinner after that weekend. If, if they're able to kill off two five-minute majors, whoever takes those penalties owes, owes those penalty killers a lot. Nice New York strip steak. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I know that sounds actually good right now. You're making me hungry. Yeah, sorry. All right. Third, second point is shore up the defense. As of right now, Michigan State is allowing – on average, three and a half goals per game. That's highly uncharacteristic of an Anastas team. The defense has to do a little bit of better job in giving Hildy some help. Hilde, and Hildy, too, needs to kind of start finding that elite-level mentality. And finally, of course, echoing like you said, just pound, green, pound. Get into the corners, win the board battles, get shots on net, and get bodies in front of the net. And the Spartans will come away with the win, maybe. Maybe even knock on wood here. Maybe even two. I think if if they're able to own the own the board battles, because their team, I'm very you know very um, very confident in their ability to score those dirty goals, because that that's that's what they that's what they've had to do for a while the last couple of years because they haven't been able to score from the outside that much. So if this comes down to a gritty battle in, in you know the edge of the crease near the hash marks, I'd say the, the Spartans are, are in good shape. But like you said, they have to shoe up their defense a little bit. I'll give them a little bit of leeway because it was the first two games. So a three-and-a-half, I think you said three-and-a-half, Three-and-a-half, right? yes. A three-and-a-half goals against average doesn't look too good. But it being only two games, I'm not as concerned. But if we were to come back, from next weekend, if, if when we meet next week and the goal and the goals against average is still three and a half, then I'm starting to get a little worried about it. But I, I'd say first weekend, I, I give them a little bit of a pass. But I do agree they need to clean up a little bit. Well, it is getting late and it is Michigan week, so we are going to say goodbye. I'm Jason Ruff. I'm Brian Bobel. Stay cool, Spartan Nation.